Hello, and welcome to episode 148 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo. With me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the hung jury east, Alessandro Belsi. Say hello, Al. I have a history of losing my shirt. Nice. On this week's episode, will Lana Wachowski change the industry again? What we watched, Energy Vampires, Pedro, and Dexter. Along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, 12 Angry Men. But first, Al, why? Why? <laughs> why what? Your quote, why? <laughs> well, I mean, because I didn't have anything from this movie in particular that I want to use. Sure. Or from anything of this week of watching. And, I and the bare naked wear... ladies is just what? Yeah, well, I, I'm not wearing a shirt. And I was like, fair. I was trying to think. You of do something. have a history of taking off your shirt. I well, you know, it's, it's been yeah. one week since I've seen you without it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Al, what are we drinking? And you know, on Saturday, you can say it's been three days since. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking Newberg Brewing's Captain Boss, which is a collaboration with Captain Lawrence. This boss is dreaming of fresh powder and hops. Um, Captain Lawrence. How <laughs> about your other thing where every time somebody says Captain or General, they salute? <laughs> uh, I never got into that show. Um, but uh, yeah, for those of you who might remember from several months ago when we did Captain Lawrence's Powder Dreams, mm. um, those are the two IPAs. They had the two the, where we learned the delightful term Lapulin, I believe. Mm. And... Uh, and subsequently forgot it. <laughs> uh, it was that it was that like distilled down, like powderized version of hops for specifically right, for right. Um, dry hopping because it doesn't take up as much volume or soak up as much beer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's right. So anyway, that was Captain. Glad Lawrence. you remembered um, because this is because this is uh, powder or sorry, not, well, yeah, dreaming of fresh powder and hops. Um, this captain. Me scratching my nose was just a coincidence. I know you looked over at me. <laughs> Well, I was like, I was like is he trying beer? to signal something or did he like, <laughs> well, because I couldn't quite make out what you said. And I was like, did he just execute a really good joke under his breath and, and he was like fingering his nose at me? Like, so I was like double taking to see if you were like laughing hysterically and then I missed something. Uh, anyway, this uh, this captain boss is, as I said, with powder. So he is skiing. He's got mm. a, a sweet hat on. It's got a heart on it because Newberg Brewing is brewed with heart. Um, of course. Though his actual heart is a hop in this case. That is pretty sweet. His hat is fantastic, by the way. Yes. Um, um, I just it? noticed that the logo oh says brood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been several episodes since you tried to get with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just the disgust on your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, because every time I'm like, wait, this sounds really good. Oh, son of a bitch. No. <laughs> 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 This one's 7% alcohol by volume. This was their collaboration from February of this year. So not mm. as old as some of the beers we've done, but uh, sure. but uh, not quite as fresh as maybe we'd like. Um, oh, hot take. I've got four beers for you. Oh, great. Because I have somewhere in the six to eight range, I believe, to bring to you. I don't have any more room. <laughs> um, well, I guess you don't have to refrigerate all of them. All of them oh, that's true. haven't been refrigerated. Um, I got another Newberg. It's mm. the newest collaboration. It's Industrial Boss. Nice. Um, I have a Jack's Abbey. I have two beers from Mike. Hey, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Hey, Mike. Um, who gave us those Powder Dream beers. Sure um, did. I have... Oh, I finally tracked down, for the show purposes, the Victory Sour Monkey, which I mentioned quite some time ago, which I'm super excited for. I had it a few weeks ago at the bachelor party, and uh, a couple other beers. 
Nice. Sweet. Oh, man, we're not running out anytime soon. No, no, we're good until 2023. Let's, uh... Which is good because we have, we, gauge... we have another lockdown coming down the pike real quick, so... <laughs> let's, uh, let's say we gauge the tuckles on this one, huh? Okay, cheers. Cheers. Uh, it still smells delightful, as I said pre-recording. It was very effervescent when I opened it. Mmm. That's nice. It sure is. That, um... Hmm. Hang on. This is the first beer where I feel like I can say of the collaboration series, it's like, this truly tastes like a collaboration between, like, like yeah. I get both the elements of the Boss series and the elements of the Powder Dream. There's like a, there's like a really nice, you know, like, you know when you bite an orange uh, and it's a I, really. I have bitten oranges, yeah. <laughs> I've bit orange. <laughs> you know, but like, you know, you've cut it though. You know, you're not just biting in from the outside, which is what oh. a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, no, I typically don't tell people when I bite through the pith. <laughs> so, but you know, you bite into it, you get none of that. You get only the citrusy, juicy deliciousness in the middle. Yeah, when it face fucks you. That is in here. <laughs> you know what's not in here? Guava. Or- oranges. <laughs> <laughs> no guava. No guava to be had. Yeah, that, that's what we're going to do. Because, you know, I will say that considering it's 50% of the title of our show, Sure. Two, one third of the title of our show, one quarter of the title of our show by like the one, count. By yeah, one. it depends. Does it? It depends though. Like the letters that you don't capitalize count. Well, the article is still a word, right? Sure. Um, Does it count? Show up in a word count usually? Ooh, or is it a dwarf word? Like Pluto is now a dwarf planet. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> I will say that we always. It generally feels like we give beer short shrift on the show. It, that's that's fair. So I like that in recent times we've expanded and evolved on the beer portion of the show. We added the fuckle system, which I think... Of course. I believe Um, so. If only for you and me. (laughs) From now on, we're also going to have to track each beer, whether it has guava or not. (laughs) I'm going to write... Okay, so we will create an app. It is basically untapped. But you rate via fuckle (laughs) and it's a guava yes or no. (laughs) This is beer have guava. It's the only thing that it does. It's like the... Remember the woodblock app in Arrested Development? <laughs> so basically, I think what we could do, though, is, you know how, like, um, I think we could take over Untapped, basically. Go into it. Don't, we don't have to create a new app. We're just going to formulate our reviews of beer in a very specific way. We're going to Trojan horse Untapped. That's right. With a guava, no guava system. Yeah. Hashtag number of thuckles. Hashtag... Yes, guava, no guava. <laughs> Hashtag guava, yes. Hashtag guava, no guava. <laughs> guava, no guava. That sounds like that sounds like what that guy says in Return of the Jedi when Luke. Hey, guava, no guava. Hey, guava, no guava. <laughs> I love this. Uh, like the whole, we have a whole like line of different games and jokes we can come up with. This, the floor is guava. Sure. Like guava, no guava. Uh, mm. <laughs> oh man, um, I'm going three thuckles. That that sounds right. Yeah, I will give four thuckles up to your rating of three thuckles up. I'm sorry, is that seven thuckles? I'm. Not, I'm did or you, you raise me? Do you, you, you multiply? That's a hundred million thuckles. This is, this is a, it's a fourth wall break instead of a fourth wall break. It's like 60 Ooh. walls. <laughs> uh, what, so you're going four thuckles or are you going three? No, I said I'm going to give four thuckles up to your rating of three thuckles up. Gotcha. 
Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Fair. That's fair. Um, I think that's. I don't know. It's. I, I'm always hesitant to give to give the full fuckle count. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like because you know what? No, no. Hang on a second. No, hang on. Because yeah. that was a perfect execution <laughs> of that game from Whose Line Is It Anyway, where everything they say was innuendo, and they finish it off with, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you said, I always hesitate to give the full fuckle, do you know what I mean? That would have fit in perfectly on that show. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, because the thing is, it's like, if you give this one for... Like I know that I've had beers that I feel much stronger about. Not saying this is bad at all, but do I have to reserve the four thuckles for that, or is there like some extra badge you give on top of it? A fifth, a fifth thuckle. A fifth thuckle. The mysterious fifth thuckle. Ooh, is that like dialing it up to eleven? I feel like we're playing Mario Party, and like there's we're talking about the stars where the you know how there's like the event star and the sure. happening star, like yeah. So like, the you're bad have, at this game star. You can get a maximum of four four thuckles with the mythical fifth guava thuckle. Okay, a unicorn. Yes, a unithuckle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. If that's the case, if there's a if there's some different like I don't know drinker's choice award that you give, uh, then I, I think I I would be okay with going four thuckles on this. This is very good. I'm very I, happy. With I it. do feel like to try and bring things back in line with the beers at the mm. end of each year, at the end of each season of Flicks and the Six, we should have an award show. We did it this oh. past year. We did in our like final episode of the season, we did like our top movies of the year, which I think was good. I think we should keep that sure. up. Although. Yeah, that'll be real easy. Well, did we see like two movies this year? I was going to, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we're only going to have seen that many. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so for this case, it'll just have to be all the movies that we watched this year, probably. Okay. Okay. Fair um, enough. I, and best of the show. Best of the show. Um, but I think we should also do best beers of the year. Okay. Um, do we have to drink them all again? What's up? Do we have to drink them all again? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, let you me can rephrase that. Can we drink? All <laughs> saying, you can if you want. Um, maybe we get back to our make, roots. Say maybe we even make that a flicks and a whisk episode. Ooh, okay. All right. I, I like where this is going. We haven't done like a cocktail episode. It's true. That could be like a, a whisk. I feel like the flicks in a whisk is reserved for the Oscars. It's, yeah, it's true. It's very prestigious. So maybe the <laughs> maybe maybe the year end thing is a cocktail. A cocktail or it could be a wine, maybe. You lost me. A wine? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like that's a pop true. champagne. It's a celebration, right? That's true. Do we do this at New Year's? <laughs> Ooh, I mean, typically we do New Year's, so why not? That's true. That's true. We'll figure it out. You heard it here first. Nothing was settled. Um, this is delicious. I'm very happy with it. Uh, but would you like to get into to some... Do you have any other notes on this beer? I thought you were going to ask if I want to get into Pedro Pascal. Do, you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I even have to ask? <laughs> um, well, I guess that's the news and nuggets for you. Tell me what's up with Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> Totally normal segue. Uh, yeah, of course. So I, I was just. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for you to stop and be like, I don't, I don't know how I can make this any clearer. I want to get into him. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, yeah, that wraps it up, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me wrap it up first before I get it. 
Pedro Pascal, and then, uh, well, there we go. Nice. Nice. If you know what I mean. <laughs> it's always money. In the Full fuckle count. So I was scrolling through Twitter today, and... Oof. <laughs> this could go one of two ways. <laughs> sure can. Uh, you either, listen- that's the thing. You either find a couple of gems, or you just want to, like, recede. <laughs> and just, like, crawl under a rock. Well, it's like everyone's seen that gif of the... I don't know what mascot it is, but that guy in that mascot running through what looked like a war zone. You know the gif I'm talking about? I think so. That's Twitter. But, like, what you don't see is, like, from the camera's perspective, like, there, that's where the gems are. And so, like, the yeah. bombs are exploding around you while trying to find... Like, you can see them, but you mm-hmm. gotta dodge the bombs. Sure. Sure. Um, and the question is, will you or will you not make it that day? Mm. Uh, in this case, I found a gem. It was... A Variety cover story. That is a cover story for the publication Variety. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> the phrasing it could have been something completely different. I know, which is why I it's a cover story phrase. about general things. <laughs> yes. It was actually a variety of cover stories. Um, Got it. <laughs> uh, featuring Pedro. This is like, so this is more of like a six piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the original the original version of the show was remember a movie and a six pack of beers. So that's right, six pack of that's beers. right, three movies, a six pack of Pedro's six pack. Interesting. Anyway, they did like an in depth coverage of Pedro Pascal with the Mandalorian coming out in a couple of weeks, and I found it to be a very entertaining read. Anyone who's a fan of it, of him, nice. of variety, of all those things combined, I think you would find it enjoyable. Because I honestly I don't know a ton about him. Sure. So nor do this I. Gave a little bit of background on him as like a person, uh, which I found to be interesting. Uh, a little bit about his start, his acting career, how he's embraced his newfound fame, and all that sort of stuff. I, I just found hmm. it to be an, an engaging read. Cool. I like that. So uh, I will way. find the link and I will include it in the. Well, actually, it doesn't really work anymore with the format of things we're doing, right? But um, no, you can do it. Okay. Well, no. because I noticed like the on, like, bring the it pod- in the podcast player, like the intro doesn't actually show up when you click on the episode. Al, if there's one thing that I've learned as a software engineer is that the internet and technology is the wild fucking west. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, it's going to show up somewhere. Sometimes it's going to show up with hashtags and look like markdown. Sometimes it's going to be formatted. It really depends on the day. <laughs> Sometimes there'll be a dump in the title of your episode. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you take a dump with a steamer. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought I'd make it as clear as possible. It was sure. on Variety. It came out on well, the today's October fourteenth, so it came out on October fourteenth. It's a cover story about nice. Pascal and the Mandalorian and all that fun stuff. And just hearing him talk about the child, aka Baby Yoda, mm. was pretty excellent. So. Oh, awesome! I'm looking forward to that. I uh, a buddy of mine is currently in. Uh, Florida, and they went to a Galaxy's Edge, and the now? masks, yeah, Jesus, and the the masks that they have that they're they're Baby Yoda drinking the broth. Oh, fantastic! It's awesome. <laughs> now, is it just a picture of Baby Yoda drinking the broth, or is it like screen printed so that it looks like your face has a cup of tea with the hands on the side of it? It's weird. It's like because it covers your mouth and it's clearly it's like all of Abiota's face, but the broth is going directly where your lips would be. Okay, perfect. So it's 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 well done. It's well done. Um, I've got a story here. I don't know how to go through these things. 
I'm just going to point out, we live in an age where there are stories that break, then there are stories that are broken by other people that break stories that broke, right? There's things like that. There's no, there's, there's, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe there's one interview a week and then 700 outlets report on that interview. That's what well, it that, seems. That's like. definitely been what most of internet news has been recently, like the last couple of years, especially in like movie, TV, video game world. Like a story comes out, and then everyone is just aggregating each other until it's just an aggregation circle jerk. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of ridiculous. But uh, bear with me because I thought it was entertaining, and I don't know how to give credit to this, so I'm just going to read what I have here, which is reported on Uproxx. Wait, hang on by, a second. Didn't we do this a couple weeks ago where you read me something, and I had to tell you exactly what it was saying or who was Oh, no, no. I know, what, like I know what's happening, and it's just annoying because it doesn't actually... They don't... What, what What's bothering me here is that my whole point about this is I all I want to do is I don't care that it's not my... I want to just cite the source. I would like to tell you where it came from, right? I, start, so I want to give like credit where credit's due. We started doing that like a year ago. It's it's. I think it's been a, a general plus. It's definitely yeah. has like journal journal journalistic ethics. I just turned journalistic ethics into one word: journal ethics. Sh- journal <laughs> journal ethics. Uh, but my problem is they don't cite where it's from. I don't think, or they don't cite very specifically. Anyway, let's go through this real quick. Reported on Uproxx by Josh Kurt. Quote from Jessica Henwick. This is in regards to the Matrix Four. There are Jessica, definitely Jessica Henwick's in Matrix Four. Yes. Oh, okay. There are definitely moments on set where Yaya and I look at each other and we just go Matrix Four. Those <laughs> pinch me moments. <laughs> Lana is doing some really interesting things on a technical level in the same way that you know she created a style back then. I think she's going to change the industry again with this film. There's some camera rigs that I've never seen before that we're using. Um. At the very end there, I feel like it kind of trailed that kind of trailed off. But I it just don't I got it got me excited because so now based on this quote, was she speaking to Yaya Abdul Mateen and is he in the movie? Um she was speaking to Yaya, who is in the movie, on the set. Uh, she was referring to her talking to Yaya. I know, I'm just trying to clarify as to who she was speaking to. So that is that is he. He he is in the movie cuz yeah. If we discuss that casting, I don't recall it. So I don't remember. I do, I don't know. I, so I'm saying I is this story have. has alerted me to the fact that two actors There's two actors people in the movie are going to be yeah. in this movie that I was not previously aware of. That's right. That's forgotten. right. That's right. But the exciting thing about this to me is that like I mean, you can't know I feel like you don't know up front that the tech that you're using in the movie like this or some is going to be the next big thing, right? Maybe they knew when they did the matrix because it was kind of wild. Um, I think when it comes to avatar, they kept trying to shove it down your throat that that's what it was. Um, and it, it was, uh, and it opened the it door, the but it's not movie, as, it was the first movie that was ever shot with 3d cameras. It was sure. revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, except what, except the matrix opened up the doors for visual effects in a way that other movies hadn't before. And 3d movies are generally disliked. Well, whether or not they're liked or not, to be the first to do something that's fairly groundbreaking like that. I mean, they did literally sure. invent the technology for it. Oh, right? no, I, I, I agree that that's cool. But one did change the industry and the other one kind of sidelined it for a little bit. <laughs> I, I guess you could make that argument. Yeah. But um, what I'm curious about, though, is like when they did 
when they did the matrix, there was clearly like, there was a story, there was some, there was imagination, there was something there that they wanted to put on the screen. Right. And they created this way of doing that. And it was unbelievable the first time you see it and the next 10, but I can't imagine what the next thing is. And you never really can, right? Like, cause we have this with video games too, where it's like, what's that next thing that's going to like blow my mind. You don't know until it happens. Well, you and Brian were talking about that pretty recently on Game Bytes, yeah. right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. what did this generation of consoles actually bring to the table that previous generations hadn't already? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, though. It's like, and it's it hasn't been, like, we haven't had that feeling since, like, I don't know, the first time that I took Mario for a spin in Mario 64. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like this, or Halo was one of the other big ones that followed that. But even that, it's like, they're few and far between. They're hard to realize up front. Something like this, that got me really excited because they're on the set working on it and they're they're getting that feeling. And I like this idea of something ridiculous happening on a day and two actors on the set turning to each other and going, Matrix 4. <laughs> so from now on, anytime we see something super cool that we weren't expecting, we're just going to say to each other, Matrix 4. I thought we were going to say Avatar 7. No, because this is a specific <laughs> reference to the specific thing. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll Matrix for it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to definitely forget it, but I like it. Oh, of course. Of course. I still um, can't remember what the... What, I, can't, I still can't remember what the Freddy Krueger effect was. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I, I've chuckled to myself, I don't know, maybe three to five times in the past week saying the Diane Kruger effect when it happens. Like, just to myself. <laughs> I'm just picturing you, like, working uh, or, like, on, like, a break at work and just, like, reading something online and, like, Kim walking in and you just go... <laughs> and she's like, oh, what's so funny? I I literally cannot explain it to you. <laughs> try, try, just try listen me. to this episode. Try, try, try me. The, the Diane Kruger effect? I mean, I... I yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so it's ridiculous. But uh, moving on from there, I guess we can move into your next nugget because the news just broke via text message to me. So if you want to go on with Dexter, what's happening there? Oh, what, someone just texted you what, what I'm about Kim. to you? Kim yeah. just literally just texted me. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I, uh, I got this uh, a few hours ago, um, actually courtesy, again, of my cousin Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um, Thanks, Mike. Oh, God, there's so many things popping up on this. Um, this is on The Wrap. Uh, from earlier today, Tim ba- Basinger. Is it the rap? Is it the rap? But cited on the wire, but posted by Sci-Fi. But post. <laughs> We're about to find out. Uh, now I will have to read this to you carefully because there is at one point a big old spoiler that I'm gonna have to oh, nice. around. Uh, All right, cool, cool. For like the finale of the show. <laughs> you you do like you go into like a like a main character and you're like so when, when so with so and so's death. Or not death. Could be either way. Well, so that's, that's <laughs> literally exactly what I'm going to have to dodge around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right. Um, Dexter Limited Series Revival set at Showtime with Michael C. Hall. Well, I guess technically this whole thing existing is a spoiler. In fact, minor spoilers. He survives the end of the Hey, yeah. unless it's like a young Dexter. Young Dexter like they did young Sheldon. <laughs> well, the first, the first sentence is also going to give a spoiler for the finale as well. Showtime is bringing back everyone's favorite serial killer turned lumberjack. (laughs) Yes, I got him. (laughs) There's no 
way, I know that you didn't watch the show, but there's no way that in like the seven years since the show went off the air, you've never heard anything about lumberjack jokes online. No. Specifically in reference to Dexter. That's what the, if you've ever seen people joking about how this is all going to end up with me turning into a lumberjack, it's a reference to I've never noticed that, but now I will on account of Diane Kruger. The Diane Kruger <laughs> <laughs> The Pay Cable Network ordered a 10-episode limited series revival of Dexter with Michael C. Hall reprising his role as Dexter. Clyde Phillips is returning as showrunner for the 10-episode limited run that is tentatively scheduled to premiere next fall. Phillips ran the show through its first four and much more celebrated seasons when the show was routinely nominated for Emmy Awards, including Best Drama. Dexter cycled through showrunners after Phillips' departure. Dexter ran for eight seasons in total, though it has been panned for its series finale that ended with Michael C. Hall's serial killer living out a life of solitude as a lumberjack. And I'm going to not read the rest of that sentence. Um, Phillips later revealed that he initially had a much different idea for the show's ending. Series initially based on Jeff Lindsay's novel, Darkly Dreaming Dexter. Dexter is, sorry, this is a quote. Dexter is a special series, both for its millions of fans and for Showtime, as this breakthrough show helped put our network on the map many years ago, said Showtime president of entertainment Gary Levine. We would only revisit this unique character if we could find a creative take that was truly worthy of the brilliant original series. While I am happy to report that Clyde Phillips and Michael C. Hall have found it, and we can't wait to shoot it and show it to the world. That's pretty cool. Uh, I met it with mixed... Feelings, as many people are, on the one hand, while I got the finale, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. It, I think, considering the slow motion train wreck that the majority of the final season was, that it, they did the best they could at that point. But mm. it would have been better if they just generally did a better job of the final season. Do better. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like they are trying to. Now... As I mentioned in the past, the first four seasons, excellent. The next four seasons slowly decline. Well, slowly and then more rapidly decline as time goes on. Um, It sounds like they want to make up for that to whatever Mm -hmm. extent. Now they haven't announced in this, obviously, whether like this is going to like contravene the whole four seasons after Phillips left or not. I actually would probably rather they didn't. But I don't think they would do that. It sounds more like it's just coming back for for like a a more well-rounded finale, which I can't really speak to yet. But well, that was going to be my my kind of my next point is: uh, Have you made any progress since mm-hmm. you were in the sixth season? Right? Yeah, I'm about. Uh, I think I'm halfway through uh, DDK. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the that's what like the whole second half of the season's like all about. Um, I believe the last time we spoke, you said that you were certain that in the next episode, Mostef was going to die. Yeah. Um, obviously, he does. Yeah. Um, that was a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, it was. He was great. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back and rewatch those episodes specifically. His performance was fantastic. It's funny because watching that season and then having some distance from it and then coming back and watching it again when my brother was going through the show... I didn't realize how short of a run his show he was on the show. He was only in like three yeah. episodes, and it felt right. like he was in like eight. Well, that's because when you're watching it when it's on, that's a, he's on the show for a month. Sure, it just like it literally felt like he was in most of the season, but he really wasn't. Yeah, yeah it, it's because he he chews up the scene. It's pretty great. Yes, I agree. But, um, yeah, no, I'm actually I'm I'm really enjoying the show. Like I'm I'm hooked. Um, big fan. 
Well, this I'm, is what, I'm this excited is what I, to get through it. This is what I said when I was texting with Mike and Dominic. Um, while the overall quality definitely declines from the fourth season on, I still enjoy the show. Like the last two mm-hmm. seasons largely aren't good, but that doesn't mean that there are no good parts of it because there are, sure. definitely are. Um, and there's some memorable characters that even joined the show at that point. Like there's yeah. some, some like the, the, the season long guest stars that are like either villains or like semi main characters that come in. Uh, yeah. Some of them are really good. Uh, it's just overall, it's not great. I think the seventh season is really when it nosedives. I think that's when, Hmm. Was it Scott Derrickson? Is that his name? Um, the guy who who came in and ruined um, the Daredevil slash Defenders series? Oh, is that who that is? Yes, oh, God. Should I just he, skip that? I believe that's when he took over. So, um, How is this guy getting these jobs? I mean, you know how this, these things work. It's all about who you know. Sure. sure. That's a shame. Well, anyway, I am currently enjoying Dexter. Um, and that's uh, that, that dovetails nicely into... What we have watched. And I say oh. that because over the last weekend, I started and completed a show. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was because it was only 10 episodes or so. But we watched. So we went away to a cabin this weekend for our anniversary. It was awesome. Nice. nice. Got away from everything. We went on a nice hike. It's beautiful. Um, and then we made the poor decision of watching a horror show in this dark and spooky cabin. <laughs> was it was it a horror show about a dark and spooky cabin? Because that would have been like a double moment. Well, the the cottage was on the top of a hill, and we watched the haunting of Hill House. So I don't know. Ah. <laughs> um, I will say I am weirdly I'm oddly drawn to to horror stuff. I'm not like I'm not a horror fanatic, but I'm always interested, and I'm very curious about a lot of them. That and was, I want that them to a, be good. That one was really popular a couple of years ago when it came out, right? Yeah, and. Uh, Man, that is some good television. Really? Like, I was blown away. So let me let me break this down for you. It's like a ten episode season. Mm-hmm. There's seven main characters. Well, the, there's a, it's a family of seven. The show starts off. You don't realize it's going this way until you're like two or three episodes in. But each episode focuses very closely on a single character. Okay. Everything else is going on, but it's focused on on one character. Those storylines dovetail where you see certain parts from their perspective, what they were thinking, what they were doing as it goes through. And then the culmination of all of that is a finale that is all of the characters are central. Okay. And it's done really well. And like there's a lot, there's a handful of twists and turns. And while nothing is like, there's there's a couple there's a couple like big things that they do because like when when you're in the space of a horror you could do things that are outlandish right you can you can just make something so because it's it is meant to be spooky and unexplainable and they do it in a way that it's not like where it's a cop out they do it really well like they, they it makes you basically it's more of a conversation piece with one of the bigger reveals but um it's man it was really good I was. I, I was not expecting to like I was hooked. Like I was watching episode after episode of this thing. And I was like, I like normally I'm like and I also I, I do I get skittish with that stuff. Like I I'll I'll jump. Uh I will look away. Like I, I'm not I don't do well with it, but I was so hooked by the story that I needed to see where it was going. And um I was just really happy with it. And it's so so much so that I'm now looking forward to watching The Haunting of Bly Manor which is the next 
season, though it's not really listed that way, it is basically a, similar to like American Horror Story, where like a bunch of people are, are in it again as different people. And yeah, different it's, an, it's an anthology. Yeah, so I'm looking so forward I, to seeing. I, where I that saw that goes. that one was like like I've been like seeing references to it in the last couple of weeks. Did not realize it was meant to be a successor to that. Mm-hmm. But if you can get through it and deal with the scaries, it is absolutely worth your time. It's it's a lot of it's it's just really like I, I I can't say anything except for really well done. I was very satisfied with the way that it played out. I generally don't gravitate towards those things, not because I can't like deal with it. We've talked about it in the past, especially with Gary, because you know, friend of the show and occasional co-host Gary is sure. a big fan of horror movies and stuff like that. I just I find so many of them to be not good that it just like it's not worth it to me to go through for especially cheap scares or whatever. I mean, generally, oh, yeah. even for something that's good, the only thing that really gets me is like close up, like portrayed, like like visceral gore. Like that's the only part that gets me. Which paradoxically, sure. I do like the Saw movies, despite the fact that that's like very much <laughs> right. Like that's really the only part. Like yeah, like because like. No one actually likes jump scares. Like they're just annoying, but like I, I'm fine. Like it's like, oh wow, that was annoying. Okay. Um, but if it's something that was like really like gripping tension and it's like sitting on the edge of your seat, stuff like, yeah, like, that's good, especially if it's in service of like something that's legitimately good. Yeah. I um I, I totally I'm totally with you. I am completely down on jump scares. I don't think that they are good at all. I think they're cheap tricks. I don't think it's good. I think it's a uh a crutch because your writing is sucky and you can't make something scary with intent and you have to do it by surprising people out of nowhere. I will say that watching this show, I was constantly in anticipation of like, here's the jump scare, right? It's going to come right now. I, they did a decent enough job where you knew where they were going to be. So like, and they weren't, they weren't like, they weren't crazy. They were just like, it was, it was a, they did like the rising tension to reveal creepiness. The cutaways sometimes when they cut to another scene with a louder sound, those I think are intentional. Those are a little cheap, but there's not, there's not too many of them. I will say though, with all that being said, I was pretty impressed with how it was handled. And then I'm on like episode nine. And they just do it. They go all in on the on the on the unnecessary jump scare to the point but where like, I bruised my arm. One. Everyone's allowed oh, yeah. like one. You know what I mean? One or two. Sure. Like, just one. Do it. No, no. Just one. Just one. But they they used it and they um they got me. I uh, my arms were crossed and I squeezed my arm so hard that I like I I'm pretty sure I bruised my bicep. Nice. Yeah. It was uh it was intense the way that it, it unfolds. Sorry, this just reminded me of I went several years ago to like one of those like haunted like things. Well, I, you know, actually, it was I think is it is it Fright Fest? Is that the one that's at Six Flags? Yeah, went there with a bunch of friends. We were going through one of like their set piece things, right? And there was one there that was actually really good, and and I don't know if they do the exact same one every year because like it's the only time I've been there. So I don't know if they like mm-hmm. recycle the same things or if they find new ways to do whatever, but there was one particular, like most of them like aren't really, but there was one where you, it was all open air. You walk through this whole like patches of like grass and stuff. Like they have like, you know, trees and there's, you know, house or like, and there are people in costume, which that's not really whatever. Right. But there was a handful of people in things that were 
essentially it looked like they were part of the landscape. Yeah. And the thing starts moving all of a sudden. It's like, Jesus Christ, I thought that was a solid object that is installed into the ground. Right. It moved. (laughs) And so we were going through all of that. And, you know, it was like a mixed group, like guys and girls, whatever. And one of the girls, like, grabbed my arm when she was going to scream. And instead of screaming, like, she did the thing where she was like, like, jaw dropped. And instead of a scream coming out, she turned and literally bit my arm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to stop the scream coming out and I was like yeah. so we went, I went from like a because ah, ah. <laughs> I thought I that... was getting like attacked by one of the, yep. the the people in this thing and I'm like oh no I know that person that person's biting my arm okay <laughs> there were alright so I, I love I really like going to Fright Fest and I have, I have a couple stories that follow up with that one is I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about uh, was it by the water by any chance I don't remember. This was, but there, there's they do an outdoor pathway by the water over there, and there is a uh, there is one particular shtick where it's like a it's almost like there's like a wagon, and from under the wagon, this girl comes run crawling out. She doesn't come like you know just 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 really quickly like when you're really like when people aren't paying attention doesn't do it to everybody just does it sometimes right. Yeah. And when we were there, our friend Ashley. Uh, she was already on edge from the whole thing, and this girl comes running out, and Ashley took off. She just <laughs> ran. She just ran away. <laughs> she took. I thought the next word was gonna be a swing, and like no, no, it's gonna be like she, she her in the face. She ran screaming into the fog, just <laughs> away from us. Which was, I mean, sounds more terrifying to me. And her boyfriend at the like we were all standing there laughing, and her boyfriend at the time goes, holds his finger up puts his arms out and you hear the scream getting louder and louder and louder again. It's her coming, running back and he grabs her before she could run <laughs> too far the other way. <laughs> that was, that was amazing. Uh, last time that we went, which was like maybe last year or yeah, I think it was last year. Uh, so they, they walk around the park and they'll do things. They'll like shake a can with stuff in it. Like just like to spook you out. And like, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's creepy, but like it's that, those are just jump scares. They'll come up to you and they'll do it. And, um, they, the one guy, they have they got the guys with the chainsaws without the, the actual chain in them, and they'll they'll oh, wrap them up right. And uh, one <laughs> came up to Kim and it was like really close. And like that's this is one of the one of the things they do. They just come up to you. They don't do anything, and they just come up to you and she just stop to close her eyes. She goes, please don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the guy, you hear the guy, guy kind of chuckled before he left, walked away, which was amazing. Now. I've uh, there was one time where I almost couldn't get through it because you had to like walk through like these walls that were pressed in on you and you had to like push through them, which was not good for me. Did not care like, for that. It was like it was like an inflated thing, right? Yeah, I, I that was the one thing that, and I typically don't get claustrophobic, and the only reason was because I thought I had reached the end and there was still like ten more feet, and I was like, yeah, this was supposed to be done now. <laughs> yeah, that was that that was rough. But uh, years ago, we went to we were in Canada. And there was this mummy, was it Canada? I think it was Canada. No, sorry, it wasn't Canada. We were in California. Canada was another horror was another horror thing that we did. We were in California. We did this mummy. There's a mummy ride in Universal in Florida that is really fun. I really mm-hmm. like it. But the mummy thing that's set up in California is a walkthrough, like, spooky horror maze thing. Okay. And, you know, a lot of creepy stuff going on. Like, people in there, like, occasionally... Um, 
there's like there's one area where you have to like walk onto this little bridge and like they do this projector thing and you see like just millions of scarabs running around in circles around you. Really creepy, not a fan. Uh, they hang threads from the ceiling, so it feels like webs. Like just like you just randomly walk through and you like you know you twitch and you're like Gah. the worst thing at the very end you see the light lights are on here at the end oh great thank God we're finally out of this gigantic enormous insanely large statue of Anubis <laughs> was a man on ridiculous stilts yep. And then walks, just starts walking towards you, and you're like, no! And you just run out. (laughs) It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yet we, you know, we still do these things. Um, Anyway, that was, that's why I I, I recently watched The Haunting of Hill House, and it was, it was an absolute blast. Um, Really well done. Did you have, did you have another new, or was that it? No, that was it. All right, then I've got one very small nugget for you that I think you'll really appreciate. I, uh. There was an Apple event yesterday where they released the release. They um, revealed, officially revealed, I should say, the 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 newest iPhone models. And I I, I usually watch that stuff. I enjoy it. Um, something dawned on me this time, though. <laughs> uh, it was there's no audience. Obviously, they did it all. You know, individual like people talking to a camera. They did some like background stuff and whatnot. What that afforded them was the opportunity to get real up close and personal. And the people's faces as they were talking. Nice. Um, so Tim Cook does this thing. Oh. Fine. Where he gets really intense when he says stuff. And his eyes get really wide. And he is the spitting image of Colin Robinson draining people of their energy. <laughs> and it, I, was, I was alone watching and I was just laughing. <laughs> I was like, nobody knows. Nobody, nobody's thinking about this right now, but me. But his eyes are like, they're like a light blue color, and they got really wide. And he smiled <laughs> as he was revealing something. I was like, I can't even handle this right now. <laughs> like, this is one hundred percent Colin Robinson. <laughs> one of my favorite stupid little recurring jokes with Colin Robinson is just when like something's going on, and he's like, "Just so you guys know, I am feeding. I am, I am feeding on you right now. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> so good." Oh, man. Well, with that, you want to get into some fun and games? Well, my last little postscript on this was um, I got a couple more episodes into Fargo. I'm, I'm now only like one behind of the four that have aired. <clears throat> and um, they introduced in the second episode the brother of the Jason Schwartzman character. The two of them are like the, the sons of the head of the Italian crime family in this okay. season. And the the brother returned from Italy. He's been over there for many years now. And he, you know, has been doing mafia stuff in Italy at this time in like the late 1940s, early 1950s. You know, the, the show takes place in 1950 right now. First of all, he looks like a much larger Josh Gad. Nice. He, he looks just like him. Like I saw him in profile in like a still like a, in promotion for the show, like a week before it aired. And I was like, is Josh Gad in this? And I wasn't aware. <laughs> and like I was reading further and it was like, no, I, I don't remember the actor's name now. I, I don't think I've seen him in anything else before. <clears throat> but he looks just like Josh Gad to me, except just if you took him and just made him bigger, like an old director. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's got like a, you know, a mustache and, a, you know, but he has the craziest crazy eyes I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and like, he just does this thing. The eyes, just they're me. crazy. Yeah. It's just reminding me of what you were saying. And yeah. Cause like, he'll be like sitting and having a normal scene and he'll be talking and all of a sudden he's just like, yeah. 
<laughs> just but why like, not? <laughs> three times bigger than I can do it. <laughs> like saucers, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my goodness. And That's like too much. Eight times an episode. And that gets me every time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Alright, well, let me take you into some fun and games now, shall we? Yes. Alright. Al, this is from zoo.com. Not entirely sure what this website is. The first tab says animals. The second tab says cars, trucks, and engines. The third tab says TV, film, and music. The fourth tab says all about you. The fifth tab says love and relationships. The next one says sports trivia. The next one says general trivia. Did you notice I lost count there? The next one says the world. (laughs) Sure. I lost track of all these things that aren't animals. So with... Do you think it started off that way? It's like, I'm going to do a blog about animals, and I'm going to call it zoo.com. And it's well, like, yeah. let's expand. <laughs> this Well, this just reminds me of two things I've seen recently. One, there's this website uh, that does fantasy sports stuff, specifically fantasy football, and it's called Establish the Run, which is a cliche in regards to football stuff. And they've since expanded into doing fantasy basketball and well, that website's called Establish the Run NBA. Because I was like, well, did you not come up with another equal like basketball cliche? Or like, you know, even if it was like you did a play on it, it's like establish, establish like the post play or something like that. Right. Nope, it's just Establish the Run NBA. Um, and Perfect. even earlier today, my mom was saying something about how apparently, I don't know if it was in like the 1950s or 60s or something like that, that Colgate used to do like TV dinners or something like that. Did oh my god! Because people just thought of toothpaste when they. That's hysterical. That's amazing. It's like, oh well, this goodness. is why we have different brands for different things. Right. Like one company can own multiple brands of stuff. It's <laughs> too much. All right. Well, this one from Zoo is called "Which Classic Movie Do You Belong In?" Okay. Which decade produced the best movies? Fifties, thirties, forties, sixties. What is that order? <clears throat> yeah. Also, it's severely limiting. Um, I don't know. I, I I haven't seen too many movies from any of those decades, to be perfectly honest. I guess I'll sure. go with the 50s. Okay. What is your favorite genre of movie? Romantic comedy, drama, musical, action, adventure? Um, I guess drama. Which 27 blockbuster are you going to see? I guess this is when this quiz was made. Rough Night, Baby Driver, Baywatch, Wonder Woman. Those are all things that came out in 1927. What? 2017. It sounded like you said 27. Amazing. And I was like, uh, uh, what? Amazing. <laughs> There's uh, a Wonder Woman in 27? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... There I'm were sure. like, movies? Was a remake? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What um, was the music in that version? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, so you said Baywatch, Wonder Woman, Baby Driver, and what else? Rough Night? Not familiar. Oh, I believe it was an Elizabeth Banks movie? Maybe. Um, or is that Walk of Shame? I was thinking of the wrong Hmm. I'm going to go with Baby Driver, I guess. Yeah, I would do the same. Which current actress is your favorite? Rachel McAdams, Viola Davis, Angelina Jolie, Adina Menzel, Adele Dezeem. Yeah, I can't say I'm a huge fan of any of them, but let's go with Rachel McAdams. Okay. Which old Hollywood actor would you love to meet? Paul Newman, Cary Grant, James Dean, Clint Eastwood. Uh, 
they could have rephrased that. The the question is which old Hollywood actor? Just say which old school. Just make it sound a little bit more charming. Yeah. Um I don't know. <laughs> I, I could not care less. Pick one. <laughs> yeah, Paul Newman. <laughs> okay. Who is your first celebrity crush? Audrey Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart, Gene Kelly, Judy Garland. His choices. Um, let's go with Judy Garland, I guess. <laughs> Which classic Disney movie would you watch? Old Yeller, Alice in Wonderland, 101 Dalmatians, The Jungle Book. Ooh, I was a huge fan of both The Jungle Book and 101 Dalmatians as a kid. Let's go yeah, with I had to. I went with The Dalmatians when I ran through it before, only because when I read The Jungle Book and thought about the context of the time frame of the movie, all I could think about was the live action one. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to yeah. say, all I could think of was the quicksand. <laughs> yeah, basically. Which of these books would you like to see on the big screen? The Vacationer, The Shadow of the Wind, American Wife, 100 Years of Solitude. I know nothing about any of those. Nice. Let's go with the solitude. The type of movies that you watch usually make you cry, get scared, laugh, think. Think. Which of these snacks do you normally eat at the movies? Hot dogs, popcorn, candy, pretzels. Popcorn. Obviously. Which of these TV shows do you watch religiously? Modern Family, The Flash, Jane the Virgin, Orange is the New Black. None. I watch none of those. I've never (laughs) watched any of those. All right. So Um, which one would you pick? Let's go with Modern Family. Okay. Fair enough. How would you describe yourself? Sweet, dramatic, adventurous, determined. This is not this. This whole quiz has not been very simpatico with me. Um, let's go with no. sweet. Okay. Which of these colors are you most drawn to? Green, red, purple, or blue? Green. Which of these things would you prefer to do? Travel the world, fall in love, fight for what I believe in, follow my dreams. Uh, go fall in love. Why not? Where would you like to live? In the city, in the suburbs, in the country, near the beach? Beach. Which city would you like to visit? Rome, Los Angeles, Budapest, or New York? Rome. Which of these jobs have you had? Waiter slash waitress, babysitter, tech support, taxi, valet, Uber driver? Uh, valet. I know this one. <laughs> what was your college major? This one, this one made me laugh. I was like, these are, there's not nearly enough options here. It was law, right. business, theater, or I didn't go to college. I guess let's go with business? How do you get around? Bicycle, car, foot, train. Car. Would you ha- would you ever have an affair? No. Yes. I'm not sure. I've already been in one. <laughs> <laughs> no. How do you handle problems? I run away from them. I face them head on. I ask my friends to help me out. I try my best to handle them on my own. I try my best to handle them on my own. If you were rich and famous, what would be your one downfall? Women slash men. Paranoia, alcohol, drugs. Paranoia? Ooh. How many friends would you say you have? I don't have any friends. Four to five. Three to four. Only one. Um, it's weirdly limiting. Uh, let's eh? go with four to five. Where would <clears throat> you build your California mansion? Anaheim, Santa Monica, San Francisco, or Los Angeles? Santa Monica. Do you believe in love at first sight? It's possible. No. Yes. Not really. It's possible. Which of these lines would you say? 
What the world needs is to return to sweetness and decency. It's not where you go, it's who you meet along the way. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass, it's about learning to dance in the rain. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> um, let's go with a third one, the one with the rain. I like that one too. Which fashion trend did you follow? <laughs> Pantsuits? Fox fur? Padded shoulder? Petticoats. The fuck? <laughs> um, wait, sorry. Pantsuits, what else? Fox fur? Okay. Padded shoulders? Petticoats. Are these not all women fashion? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I'm fairly are. certain that uh, I've had a suit that had padded shoulders in it, though. Padded elbows? No, padded shoulders. It was like a cheap suit when I was, like, younger. All of these things are definitely women's fashion. Um, let's go with fox fur. <laughs> I don't know. All right, yeah, fox fur. Which of these classic cars would you drive? A Chevy Bel Air, a Buick Riviera, a Cadillac Series 62, Lincoln Continental. Let's go with the Cadillac. Lincoln. <laughs> Which of these holidays do you enjoy celebrating the most? Independence Day, Thanksgiving, New Year's, or Christmas? Christmas. If you could go back in time, what would you change? My childhood, my love life, nothing, my occupation. My love life. All right. Which classic movie do you belong in? You got Casablanca. The classic movie that you should be in is Casablanca. Your world is filled with mystery, drama, and adventure, much like many of the characters in the movie. You would do anything for the people that you love, even if it means sabotaging or deceiving someone else. Just be careful of who you do it to. That's definitely one that I should watch that I have never watched. Same. Let's put that on the list. Okay. It's on the list. That, that, that sound? That's me putting it on the list. I was going to say, was that like, like a notary? Like, it was a stamp. Like stamped yeah. it. Yeah, it's, a, it's our logo. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, with that, let us get into our flick of the week. Twelve Angry Men. Released in 1957 with an hour and 36 minutes runtime. Uh, your IMDb synopsis, a jury holdout attempts to prevent a miscarriage of justice by forcing his colleagues to reconsider the evidence. A uh, couple of quick notes, Al. First, this movie is rated approved. Second, <laughs> this is the oldest movie we have done. <laughs> For now, because aren't we going to top that with Casablanca? <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely correct. Al, I uh, I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised by this film. Why don't you give me your tweet life review? Why did you have low expectations? I just didn't know anything about it. I literally knew nothing going in except that I should have seen it already. Fair enough. Um, a tense, gripping slow burn that eschews flash and sizzle for stripped down human drama. Expertly written, performed, and shot. Eight point five out of ten. Nice, nice. Okay. I went with incredibly powerful in its execution. 12 Angry Men does not presume to tell you what is right, but begs you to not turn a blind eye to what is wrong. It is an all too poignant reminder of how far we have still yet to come. 10 out of 10. I was blown away by this movie. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I, was, I definitely really liked it. I I mean, it was definitely a, a classic. I, I, I just was, I was, I had an impossible task trying to grade it. I was just like, Oh, that was really good. It's, uh, I don't know, eight, nine, eight and a half. Fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, that's, that's totally fair. Like it, uh, I don't know. It just like really resonated with me watching it. And like, I, there were times where like I was 
I I clapped at one point. I stood up and celebrated at another. Like I was like really excited to watch it. Like I, the movie was really well done, and I think that is a there's a lot of credit that needs to be given. To, first off, the performances are amazing. They're just yeah. so well done. Um, the writing f- flawless. Like is that is, is that fair? I mean, it's definitely really strong. Uh, uh, it, I would say for like recent entry here, at times it felt like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was trying to be this mm-hmm. with like just the interplay between some of the characters. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And then you, you consider that like, what's amazing to me, what I, I really, I love a movie in a room. You know how I feel about that. I love free fire. Yes. I love, <laughs> right. I love things like that. What blows my mind is that for an hour and 36 minutes, it's only when they leave the room that you go, huh, they've been in there the whole time. <laughs> because it's so gripping it plays with your emotions the room itself becomes a bit of a character i was actually reading something a little while Mm. before we got on and it was with the director and it was like an excerpt from a book he wrote called making movies he wrote it was like this is like a 50 year old or 60 year old book and he talked about the different camera lenses he used over the course of the movie to it like the nature of the and I'm I'm far from an expert on this. Basically, like at times was making it look like the background is getting closer to the foreground, yeah. which helps mm-hmm. play with the sense of like like claustrophobia, basically. Of the yeah, characters. I could totally see that. And how over the course, in addition to that, over the course of the movie, he starts shooting from slightly above eye level, so like underneath. To, yeah, to eye level to below eye level by the end of it, so that like uh, by okay. the end of it, you can see bits of the ceiling, which even further mm-hmm. draws in that feeling of claustrophobia. Pulls the room in, yeah. That I there's a couple. I notice a couple of those things because I notice that the there's a perspective shift throughout. Like it, it goes in stages in the movie, yeah. and a lot of the time it's doing it in a in. I mean, with tremendous effect of as they're getting. As characters are getting more and more at each other's throats, it's getting tighter and tighter. Yes. And by the by the finale, it does a drastic pullback and opens the room up again. Which well, is that, really that cool. was that that was like the final note about it was that once oh, okay. resolution has been achieved, he switched to like a wide angle one so that everything expands oh, and everyone can like relax. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> that's real that's I, what's amazing to me about something like that is whether or not you realized it, it's what it's like. It, it's one of those intangible things. Sometimes like if you are a, you know, almost like, like us, like we're not, neither of us are like professional critics of film. Like there's, there's sometimes where you can't really place what it is that makes something special. Like for this, I, I paid close attention to camera work and stuff like that. So like, I, I didn't notice the, the changes on it, but I didn't think like that would probably have the same effect on somebody else who wasn't even noticing it. And that's the point. Like, yeah. it's just a, it's a, it's just, it was a mechanic when it was done and it was, it was executed really well. Um, there's a, I love the moments of intensity of when a character has, when a character makes, they, they do these, these great knockout punches throughout the movie where like a character will say a thing or like you'll lead up to the character saying a thing where you're basically, you're watching it like, like, you know, shoveling popcorn into your mouth and you go, Oh, he's got him on the ropes, he's got, <laughs> you know? And then like, and then they deliver it and they just like, they pull right into that character's eyes 
as it happens. And it's just like, it's, it's so well done. The movie really blew me away. I was, I was very happy with it. I will watch, I will watch it over and over again. I did find there's a, uh, there's a made for TV version that was released in 97 that I think we need to check out. Yeah. I almost, I didn't want to interrupt the intro, but when you're like, yeah, 1957, I was like, wait, we were watching the original. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yes. Uh, but really, just what a what a tremendous flick. I mean, there's a uh, sticking with like some of the some of the artistic choices that were made. So, like as we mentioned, the movie takes place. Uh, what is it like? Ninety five percent of it is in that room, right? We have maybe two to five minutes outside the room before they go in it. We have one final scene outside of the room, but the majority of it is right there. Uh, as you mentioned, the camera work, it pulls it closer, it makes it tighter, it makes the room smaller as the movie goes on. Um, there's a couple of other things too, like the uh, the cycling of the weather outside mm-hmm. that, that that play like a, a role. Like they're, they're, them being hot and sweaty for whatever reason, it like it makes it even more intense. I think what that does is by putting by making a character sweaty, showing you like the sweat marks on them and like the sweat dripping off their brow and stuff like it makes you uncomfortable because you have, you ha- end up having a response to it, like almost like a physical reaction, whether you're paying attention to it or not, like you're thinking about being uncomfortable. Well, there's that part of it, which obviously they, you're intentionally, they want you to be uncomfortable during this experience uh, mm-hmm. because it's not a comfortable topic, obviously. Um, also it has, you know, real like bits of like world building and storytelling within the movie itself because you, okay, well they're all angry. They're yeah. angry because of the case. They're angry because they're held up here. They're angry because it's disgusting in this room. You mm-hmm. know, all of those things come into play. And, you know, you can kind of relate to all of those things. Like, oh, yeah, I've been stuck in a room that's 95 degrees that I don't want to be in. I could see how I want to get this over with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I could see how it's like, oh, cut and dry. Like, this is fucked up. Like, let's just get it over with type of thing. Oh, yeah. I, too, have wanted to go to the Yankee game. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And had yeah. tickets that I'm gonna end up burning if we don't get out of here sometime soon. Yeah. Oh man. I I'm gonna. Where I really wanna. I don't want to have to like beat around the bush with anything with this movie because we have to like we got, we're gonna have to get into it. But I, I will say if you haven't like us, if you hadn't seen the movie yet, my God, it is absolutely worth the watch. It is 100 percent worthy of all of the praise that it has received before I've seen it. There are certain movies where people are like I can't believe you haven't seen that. You have to see it. This one is absolutely on that list. It is just, it's it's a masterpiece. I I was blown away. I was really happy with it, and I can't wait to watch it again. Really? Yeah, I'm very I'm very into interested in this. It definitely helps that it's a shorter movie. Um, sure. Not that it couldn't have sustained a longer runtime, but it really didn't need to. Like they got it. No, all. it's 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 perfect. I, I the only reason I would give it a ten is I feel like all of that stuff lines up. The pacing, the length, the storytelling. You're never you're never hung out to dry. Like unless you're intentionally made to feel that way, which is like I, they, which they do on yeah, occasion. Yeah, there are a couple of times like, where they they just sit in it and like let you like stew alongside them. Um, yeah. my, my point was. The writing was such that it could have surely sustained 10 more minutes if it had to. Um, but anytime you start doing that, you run the risk of, well, did you use up all the good material and would the rest of it be padding? Like, I would have faith that they could do it, but it doesn't right. necessarily mean they should. 
Yeah, no, for, for, for sure. I would, uh, I would, if if you wanted to, I know they did a made-for-TV remake. If you wanted to do another one of these, I would say I would really love like a Sorkin take on it. I feel like it could his writing could lend itself really well to the delivery within that room. Um, yeah, well, and that's why I brought up like how like Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross like it felt like there sure. were some similar aspects like David Mamet, like Aaron Sorkin, yeah, one of them could do. Oh my that, goodness, probably. it. It's absolutely incredible. Um, with that being said, I'm not going to hold back on spoilers going forward. And I will say that, honestly, doesn't really matter because it's more about the experience of watching the movie. The performances are incredible. I, I can say knowing where it's going to go, I'm, I would still be that, just as interested to rewatch it. Sure. I, what I will say is I think there's an important distinction between I don't think it's super important for us to know whether the guy did it or not. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important to ultimately know what the verdict they return is. Oh, that's that's a good point. You know that's what I mean? Like point. guilty, yeah. not guilty. Okay. You do need to achieve that. Now, whether or not it's the correct verdict, different matter entirely. Oh, and not, okay. not super important. So if you want to if you want to stick around and hear more without us going into the main spoiler of the verdict, we won't reveal that until the very end. How about that? I mean we we can do it at this point. It's a it's a sixty three year old movie. That's true, and That's we true. have given some preamble. So, all right, all right, okay. Spoilers from here on out. Um, how about that verdict? No, uh, the, <laughs> uh, but all right. I wanted to, I want to go through a couple of things here. I have I wrote I, down. I'm just gonna quotes. let you know now, though. I somehow all of this is jumbled in my head. I'm going to routinely get wrong. Who said what and when? Oh, that's I great because I don't have I don't have juror names or anything because they were well, all numbered. Say, but even like I'm going to end up getting the actors and well, I almost said actors and actresses. These are all men. It's twelve angry. They're people, all men, not twelve angry people. Um, also, right. fun, fun fact: as a child, I routinely flipped the titles of this and Grumpy Old Men. Nice. <laughs> 12, gr- twelve grumpy men. Yeah, twelve grumpy men. Or angry old men. I mean, basically the same. <laughs> All right. So uh, so get, getting into it, I wrote down a, a quotes as they were coming up just because there was a, there was there's occasional one liners that really just nail it. Right. They just like they, they're the they, these are the ones that maybe either laugh or just jump out and go. Yes. Like just like this guy is. Well, before you get into your quotes, let me say then what my favorite moment was, because it's, oh, the, okay. first, it's the first because you were talking about the. Oh, he's got him on the ropes, type of thing, and like the yeah. the, the zingers and the gotcha moments. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think, and like I guess I'm gonna jumble the order of them. I think the first major gotcha moment is the one that's my favorite, and it's when he pulls the knife out and. Just oh my god! Yeah, hundred percent. So good. Potentially the best moment of the movie. Also, you can literally most- hear the ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So there, there's there's actually there's two that butt up against each other for me. That's one of them. Where he pulls the knife out, it's like never seen a knife like it before because he knows he's got him, yes. and you know he has something, but you don't know what it is. It's like, and then it's like, when he why pulls that this knife guy out, actually a prosecutor or oh God. in real life, like he's just right, a juror right. because he's compelled to. It's his civic duty, but just based on the way he crafted his whole argument leading up to that, the leading question, <sighs> and just walked him right into the middle of that trap. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So that's. That's one. All right, there's a handful that that are, that tie in like that. It's got to be all of those specific moments where like the on the ropes moments. Those are the, those are all of my favorite moments. Yes. But that knife one is absolutely amazing. The other is when he gets the uh, the guy that gets riled up. He gets him riled up, and he goes, "I'll kill you." And then it just goes silent. <laughs> and they basically that was another one where everybody like without doing it went. Ooh. <laughs> 
And then he goes, what's the, the follow-up is they don't even, he doesn't even give him the benefit of the doubt, which the guy doesn't deserve at that point, which is really great. He goes, surely you didn't mean you'd kill me. <laughs> which is like, oh, it's so tremendous. Um, there's a couple of great ones in there. Early on, there's a couple of like old-timey lines that you don't hear today that yes. when they're said, they, they really catch me off guard and they make me chuckle. Uh, one of them is, and how? Like, just the exclamation, and how? Like, how do I adopt that into my everyday usages? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it just, it just reminded me, because I just heard that the other day in, in something I was listening to. Um, like, you know, like, just, like, talking about, like, you know, there's cliches and, like, phrases right now, like, that, like, we know they exist from 50, 100, 150 years ago. And a lot of times, right. you know, it's, it's something that you use or have heard and, like, you know exactly the meaning of. But you never actually like think, what the fuck does that actually mean? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was hearing some someone said it was pert, it was pert near, if not plum. And I was like, I've never heard this before. But multiple people were like, oh yeah, no, like, I know the like phrase. And I was like, okay, man, like, I get it, but like, what the fuck? And like the <laughs> Wikipedia definition of it was great because it was from like carpentry or something like that. And like the whole point was like. It's either exactly plum as it needs to be, but if not, close enough. And like, there's a million different versions of that, like close enough for government work, like all that sort of sure. like thing. But the funniest part about it was that it was this phrase harkens back to like the early 1700s, like frontier, like American living. And in the definition or like this, like the background of this, it literally says prior to education. <laughs> <laughs> from prior to education <laughs> amazing amazing but i always think That's about that so sort of thing like well i could probably find a way to incorporate that but you never are like yeah. and how right like you know and I, how like you, like you could the one i was the other one i always think of is i never saw it the movie itself i don't know if you did did you see that movie hail caesar the one that came out like a few years ago no i wanted to i didn't see it the thing I had heard about it was, it was basically one of those things where it's like, it's basically only for people who are like super inner Holly. Like, okay. But whatever. But that was my first introduction to Alden Ehrenreich. And so when he was cast as Han Solo, there was a clip from that movie that was played. And I had to, I don't know if you've seen it. It's um, him and Ray Fiennes. And Ray Fiennes, I think, is the director. And Alden Ehrenreich is like, one of like, I don't think he's the lead, but he's like one of like the main characters and they're doing the scene and he has to deliver a line and he just can't deliver it. And Ray finds is trying to coach him through it. And he's like slapping him in the middle of the thing <laughs> and like, just like belittling him. And he's like, no, no, it's very like, and he like says the line and then all the other, he's like, no, no, no. Like it, it was like the scene from um, forgetting Sarah Marshall where it's like, do more. No, 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 do less. Well, yeah. they have to do more than that. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's so condescending. I think the the phrase was "Would that it were so simple," and mm. he couldn't say it. And you know, it's one of those things. Like, oh, and like I definitely dropped that in the past before, and I know I've get, like got like I've probably done it two or three times, and I've definitely attracted looks before where it's like, the fuck, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how it would be if you dropped the and how <laughs> and how I'm gonna I really have to think about that one and try to use it. Even if it's like a once a year, like perfect usage, I want to try yeah. to get it in there. The best part is the delivery you're doing. I can, for some reason, it's conjuring John. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. Like it, I, it, it reminds me a little bit of. The, well, he's you know, from the 50s. 
Well, that's just, <laughs> that, it reminds me a little bit of like the cadence he gives when he's telling the story about the the party and the person steals the the photos and he goes, "Why?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it's the one thing you can't replace. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that was that was great. There was a and how was fantastic because that really got me I just that made me giddy because I, I love hearing those things that are just like so fun that, that they're just gone they're sayings that are gone basically yes. uh, so was, that was kind of funny the next was another character it's just like the the idea of like people just they were bored and they had to say things to be entertained right so like they were constantly they were constantly just saying shit and they're <laughs> At least that's what I'm getting out of it. But one, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Great line. That uh, there's one. uh, One guy is blowing his nose, like aggressively blowing his nose. Another character who is just like wants to go is just like the horn works. Now try the lights. And I was like, are you kidding? That was that was that was that was the Jack Warden character who was trying to get to the Yankee game, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and then, okay, so after that, we get into, uh, I love, we're going around the table. My favorite is like, it, so the movie is, uh, is ahead of its time politically and socially. And well, surprisingly so. Very, very much so. As we're going around the table and I was like, yeah, okay, these people, this people, this person, this guy. We get to. Well, actually, basically, you know, I think about it, like, both way ahead of its time and its sensibility and yet also. We, I realized that times have not changed in any way, shape, or form because, like, yeah, like there's people in this movie that, like, I know. Basically. That oh my god, thank you for saying that. That is like a hundred percent what and I was I'm thinking. Like, I'm like, fuck, how are we still in the same spot 50, 60 years, seventy well, that, years later? Like, that's exactly what I meant still, by like, my review. And it's and it's infuriating to me too, where it's like, you know, person X says like racist, like obviously racist thing, mm-hmm. and everyone else is just like. Eh. Yeah. And like you can see like half the people at the table are like disgusted by it, but they just yep. can't be asked to deal with it. Right. And that's I think that's where the the beauty of the movie comes into play where one man is starting to stand up and eventually others follow and then by by the end they are all standing up to ignorance at one point or another. And it's really great. Um well, so not all of them. Maybe all all minus two. But one of my favorite things was so we, I love the old man that's sitting next to our our the our juror that has voted not guilty to begin with. Juror eight. He's the only one I actually J- remember the number. J- from. Juror eight. Okay, so he the, he Henry, I, Henry Fonda, right? Yeah. I, uh, oh, that, that's the main character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, but the old man that's sitting next to him. Yes. He he was I I, I loved him. So my favorite yes. is we go around the table. We're going with everybody. Then we when then we get to the guy who's like. As you're going around the table, you're like, these people are ignorant and insensitive for the most part. A lot of them are actually, a bunch of them seem fine, but they just don't seem to care. And we're getting around the table and you're like, until you hit this one guy, you're like, you've had questions about some people. You get to this one guy, oh, you're like, oh no, he is blatantly racist. And and when the old man goes, only an ignorant man could believe that, I was like, good for you, guy. Like that, <laughs> that really, that really got me. And uh there was other. Then you see that the other people that are siding with him, you start to draw out some of the other prejudices, right, in the crowd. And there's a, who was it? I think the old man is saying something 
or oh, he's shouting at one guy who's walking away. Um, I actually think it might be the Yankee guy who was walking into the bathroom, and our main character, Juror Eight, goes, "He can't hear you, and he never will." And that was another one where I was just like, <laughs> "Nailed it! Just absolutely nailed it!" And that's the that's the reason why we're still here today. Well, it, well and it reminded me like the comedic spin on it was, you know, well, there's two of them, and both of them involve Jessica Walter because I think of um, when she plays uh, Lucille. If that's meant to be a criticism, I won't hear it and I won't respond to it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like there's that version of it, and then there's also Archer and the, like she's uh, Mallory's been part of it a couple times or whatever, and it's like, you know, are you saying that you can't do this or you won't? And it's like, pick one. <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> he can't hear you, he won't hear you. Maybe it's both. Like, like come on. <laughs> a more, a, an even more comedic take is Kevin Hart's role in Forty Year Old Virgin, where he goes, "You're throwing a lot of big words around that I don't understand. I'm going to take him as disrespect." Now watch your mouth, <laughs> which is a great line. It's so self aware and also, but leaning into it, it's just really, really good. It's but, so uh, self aware and also like cementing the ignorance at the same time. You're right. Yeah. Like how can <laughs> someone be both this self-aware and so ignorant in the same package? It's like one, two punch comedy. It's so good. <laughs> um, but so, the, so in that, in that whole thing you know, where he says that another guy's yelling at him uh, the, at the old man and the one guy that stands up for him, this is another one of those. This was an old timey line that really, that really, I just thought it was so funny. The guy goes, guy talking like that to an old man. Really ought to get stepped on. <laughs> yes, that actually, you know, those are probably some of the best like one-liners and like like old school like expressions. It's just like violence and the threat of violence. Where <laughs> it's like people don't say those things. Like I don't even remember any like what any of those specific lines were. But like it feels like everything's like I'm gonna give it the old one too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, no one says yep. that. Oh man, like uh, a guy like that deserves to get stepped on. Like like no one says that. Yeah, this was the, and uh, like on top of all that, right? We we mentioned like how it was the movie's ahead of its time in like in what it's saying and what it's doing. There's a uh, there's a really funny thing with the the guy that works in advertising, which is just like having worked in a place, worked in multiple advertising agency type places, um, two that were that were actually advertising agencies, uh, three maybe, um, where he's he's st- telling stories and he's doing this thing where he's like trying to like. He's trying to appeal to the people that he's talking to and he's trying to get their attention. And he's like, he stands up, he puts one leg on the chair, he takes his glasses off, he says things. And he's, he's telling them this story where he's making fun of people in this industry that have a line that they say to get people to listen to what they're doing. And he doesn't even realize that he's doing it constantly where he's always, what does he say? Um, oh, and uh, this is just off the top of my head. I haven't really given it much thought, but... That he does that. He does it like three times, and it's great because he does that once in the beginning. Then he explain. He tells the story about the people in the ad agencies that do this, and then he does it two more times. And I was like, "Oh!" At first, I thought it was kind of a joke, but then when he kept doing it, I was like, "Oh, he doesn't realize that he's the same." Yeah, like, it's the it's the it's the tick that like you like you can't kick. You don't even realize you're doing it, and like everyone else can see it, but you can't but you see everyone else's and you think you're the one who doesn't have it, even though you're just as. Yeah. And then it, it, he says something like, let's throw some milk out on the stoop and see if the cat licks it up. Like, and the, like something along those lines and the guy that's sitting next to him, I'm pretty sure he breaks character at the moment and scoffs at him. <laughs> also another line that absolutely you could have just plugged right into Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh yeah. 
Like I can picture 100%. what's his name, the the older guy. I, oh, I'm totally forgetting the name of the the actor and the character now. But you know, like the, the the main one, the one who ends up stealing the leads in the end. After all of it, totally could see him being saying that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another one was, so this is another one of those favorite moments. One of those, uh, those got him on the ropes moments is when the guy that gets riled up, that's how I know him. So I don't know. He's like juror number three or something like that, but riled up guy. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's getting all like heated and he goes, ah, it's like, what do you know? He's like, she saw the kid jam that knife into the old man. And <laughs> And you know as the audience, because you're paying attention, you remember. And then the main character, Juror 8, goes, that knife? Surely you remember that the actual knife was already taken out of the room. And this is the knife that I brought. That whole thing, I was like, oh, man, he got him again. <laughs> he got him again with the same prop. <laughs> it's uh, it's the key and peel uh, front hand, back hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know what would have made this movie better? Liam Neeson's though. <laughs> I can actually I can see Liam Neeson's being the Henry Fonda role in this. Hmm. I can see that. I can see that. Uh oh, and then, okay, so another another thing. Again, one two punch. Get the guy get the guy. A lot of this a lot of my favorite things, a lot of things that really excited me about the movie is when they get the guy that gets riled up, really tripped up, because I we had talked about how we know some of these people. Like, I know that guy. I know the riled up guy who is just completely not paying attention, is wrong, and is just not, like, is not listening. Like, yes. and, uh, no, <laughs> no, uh, but I know, I know the guy. And, uh, he, so this guy, it, and it gets on my nerves, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of, most of the other people in the room are showing him patience and are trying to be clear and communicative and this guy's already checked out he's done he's done he's not he's not well he never was there he never checked in is really what the problem is but uh he's going on and on and they basically they they have it at this point the juror eight has proven that there is reasonable doubt right and he's done he does it over and over again throughout the course of this thing and the uh when the guy gets real upset they, after they were discussing how like the old man probably didn't uh, or oh he he contradicted the old man's story the old man contradicted himself with the timing and whatnot and the guy that's all riled up goes he's an old man he's probably confused he could be confused about anything and it was another time where they just cut no sound no response and I was like dude is digging the hole like it's so good like he's he is proving their point for them they've stopped at this point they're not even talking and he's made it worse for himself he's just wrong like yeah. he's he's so adamant about something and it's like i love how like i think it's like um it might be maybe in the first in the first act where they, the the guy the gentleman that has the accent he he calls him out and he goes what's really bothering you like, yeah, like he it's, it's something that they they Sometimes subtly, sometimes not in any way, shape, or form subtly at all. Tease throughout the whole movie. Actually, it ends up being a like more suspenseful that than what the actual like verdict is gonna be, because right. it's like it's a whole will he, won't he, like ever divulge what's going on. And when he finally right. does, it's like he just explodes and like gushes everything out at the same time. 
Which is a, uh, that was another one of those, that was one of those classic scenes that I had seen before, but had no context for the, mm-hmm. with his fist out and his head on the table. Um, that's, it's pretty powerful stuff. I, uh, oh, what is it? Oh man. I only took down. Oh, this is great. I remember it now. Uh, the, that same guy with the accent, which I couldn't figure out where he, what his accent was. I didn't really, was it, was he Russian? Was he I don't know. What I mean, it, what it his... seemed like he was some sort of Eastern European. I got, I think for whatever reason, I assumed he was Polish maybe, but. Okay. Well, they, uh, he goes, uh, beg your pardon. And he starts saying something. And then the, the ignorant racist man says, beg your pardon. What are you so polite about? And he goes, the same reason why you're not the way I was brought up. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> Well, it was great too, because you know you had early on, even when everyone doesn't want to stick it out and have the real conversation, right? Like, there's people who are still supportive of Henry Fonda, where it's like, okay, you know what? Like, if he says he wants to just like talk it out, surely we can give him ten minutes, right? Because isn't that he's like, you know, well, yeah. maybe we'll just can we, can we give me five minutes? Can we give me ten minutes? Can we get like, or does he, he does something like that, like a riff like that, right? Where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna send a kid to to his death. I just we should. And it turns it does it turn into like doesn't he am I misremembering doesn't he say like you know five minutes ten minutes and like uh, basically he buys himself up to an hour or something like that doesn't he? Uh, to talk uh, out the stuff before he can. And then, maybe like, then I, I know like once they've talked for a while he because uh, actually it wasn't the first gotcha moment but it was the first big inflection point where he says okay fine you all want to have a vote have the vote because he keeps staving off a vote right we're not gonna have a yeah. vote we're not gonna have a vote we're not gonna have a vote and then it's you all have a vote. I'll sit it out if you guys all agree. I'll mm-hmm. and and then like that's the because that, that's like a big line in the sand. Yeah. And when one person doesn't, I like how even though other people didn't have their heart fully in it, even though they didn't even buy the let's talk it out because I have a doubt. Right. There's a handful of people who are like even trying to be respectful to him. Yep. Just as a person. Just as a person, which we realize how much that means later in the movie at that point, mm-hmm. just kind of like, okay, well maybe they're just humoring him because they think, okay, well, if we just try and overwhelm him, he'll dig in his heels and then we'll never get out of here. You know what I mean? It's so like, right. you could see the, the, like the pragmatic view of it. And then you realize there's a little more humanity behind it for some of them. But I did like how for a long time, no one really wants to get the gloves on and stand alongside him. Right. Fighting right. off the good fight here. But every once in a while, someone will just throw in an interjection when someone crosses the line. Like, ah, like, that's not fair. Or, yeah. what, you know, what are you talking about? Or, oh, you're being crazy, you know. Or, hear him out. You know what I mean? Like, this. Mm-hmm. But it's someone different every time until he finally gains actual allies. And that whole process, it almost feels like he's the one on trial trying to yeah. get. And that, I think, is a clever little trick, right? Where it's no longer about him fighting on behalf of someone. It almost feels like he's fighting for his own legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for sure. It's really, it is, it's fascinating. I do love that scene though, where he's like, I'll abstain. If it changes, we keep going. If not, you, you know, you've got it. the old man's line about, I, I don't remember the specific line, but the way that he like explains, he's like, I don't know how I feel, but I do. He felt very strongly that this person was standing up for something and that that's worth talking about and that and the, he, whole, and the whole point was that 15 minutes from now we may all be strengthened again in our conviction but also maybe we won't and right. the fact that it's even up for debate that our convictions would be there 
is enough to have the conversation. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. I think there's this, there's just such a really cool thing with the execution of this movie where it's like the first act leads up to the second person that votes not guilty. The third, the second act leads up to the tie shift, mm-hmm. where it's it's more voting not guilty. Is clearly going. Yeah, and then and then the third act is like is the pressure cooker. Like that's where like we get really get down three holdouts or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, because there's a, at the end of the day, it wasn't a majority thing. It was, it was a unanimous thing, right? Like that's how it has to go down. Yeah. So, so like, it has to be unanimous. Otherwise the jury's hung and there has to be a retrial. Exactly. And I think they, they made some interesting nods and points. They don't really go too much into it, but the idea that this doesn't happen often, uh, sometimes it just takes one person to stand up, but that if they were like it became an obligation for the rest of them when they realized that if it were a hung jury, they realized that they were able to change their perspective and that that wouldn't happen again. Yes, that the and, likelihood would be that they'd be in the exact same situation with another jury, but that they would likely shout down the one person if there was. Such a exactly. And then it became this uh, this uh, responsibility to actually like. They, they they like really, really think about it and decide how you feel and what yeah, you they're, think. They're, it was their responsibility to whatever they do, get it right. And that becomes most clear when um, the man with the accent is talking to the guy that wants to go to the ball game mm-hmm. after he changes his vote to his vote to not guilty, where he's upset with him because he's just doing it. Doing the, the yeah, doing the quote unquote right thing, but for the absolute wrong reason. <laughs> right, and that was just <laughs> I think that's the job done faster. It's such a powerful moment, like because it, that moves it even into uh, that just makes it even more like the movie knows what it's doing. Like they knew what they were writing. They were they were trying to make a point where it's like it's not it's ter- it's not okay to just stand by and let bad things happen, and it's also not okay to just go with the flow just to move things along. Like it's actually give something your time and energy and understanding and really practice some empathy. Try to well, understand. They, they, they keep drawing, you know, they keep driving the, the point home, right? That it's not a hypothetical. It's a real human life. Right. And whatever your prejudices may be or not be, and whatever your thoughts on the case may be or not be that there's no longer room for opinion. Right. Mm. You have to deal in cold, hard facts. And it can be really hard to separate that for both the human mind. Like we're all, no matter how logical and reasonable and dispassionate you think you are, you sometimes, oftentimes can't separate the two. And like the avatar of that is the guy, um, was he a banker? I forget the guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the guy who keeps, let's look at it logically, this and this and this and yeah. that. And that's another big gotcha moment when they finally flip him, where it's like, Ooh, oh, I thought good? I had all the facts this whole time, and I'm realizing even I fell subject to it. And it was not out of hatred, like some of the people, not out of apathy, like some people, even though he puts mm-hmm. on uh, like a facade of apathy early on, right? Sure. Like he does. Yeah, actually- he, he was looking very specifically through logical eyes. He was not, he was doing. He was doing it the way that it was intended to be, right? He wasn't, he had, he, there was no personal motive for him. He was actually, he was like a control. Like it was a, well, there this was is no how we're supposed moment, to. There was no personal moment in that he cared or not cared about the person or the crime or anything. 
is just that he fell victim to the bias of the preconceived notion. Uh, exactly, exactly. And I think one that's another great gotcha moment, right, is the the lead up, which is the guy casually says to him, don't you sweat? And he just goes, no. And then when he realized when the when the old man makes the comment about the nose and the glasses and when he without telling him the moment that he pieces it together and the single trickle of sweat goes down his forehead. I was like, who wrote this? This is so good. (laughs) I was like, how did you do this? Like I would have, I, I can't imagine thinking to 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 place that, to write that in that this guy, like we're gonna call on it's Chekhov's sweat bead. It's I mean, you can't. <laughs> I don't know. It's that was just like really, it was just a powerful moment. And I also, what I loved about that, that character is very redeeming, redeemable because he's he was following the logic, and when he realized and understood more. He admitted that he did not have all the facts and he was wrong. Well, he is the avatar for the fence sitter, right? He is the person who tries to stay above the fray and realizes that he has to join the fray. So now it's time to choose where, which side. Um, sure. And, he, you know, he's the person, you know, he's like that where they always make the argument of like, oh, like there's 10% of people on one side of something, 10% of the other. And then there's, you know, everyone else is in the middle and we got to figure it out or whatever. And he's that person who claims to be totally in the middle and totally fair and totally neutral and and unbiased. And that, well, he's still only human Mm -hmm. and you have to break through that. The, the, the inherent flaws of humanity to try and convince him one way or another. Yeah. With the facts. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. What a, what a tremendous film. Um, there's a uh, another uh, two two another actually another one of my favorite moments, which is a a thing that we need to to really rally behind here, is when the ignorant racist is shouting in the room, and one by one, they all get up and turn their back on him. I think it's, it's such a powerful scene. It it is even though it's so dramatic, like each person dramatically ignores him, which. Yeah, like it's like something that feels like negative space where it's like an absence of and yet it becomes actually like somehow transcends into the positive of like them doing nothing in a way that is conveyed through doing something. Mm-hmm. Each, each one of them, like this one stands up and dramatically huffs and turns this way. And, you know, but like just the, the total lack of eye contact, not just with him, with each other, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was they 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 were they were. They were shutting him down. They were shutting him out. Like, and they they were doing it. I think that's actually, like you said, from each other as well. They were doing it in a way that was, uh, it's not us against you. It's a, you are wrong and you need to know this. And it's like, I don't care if, I, I'm not going to sit with somebody else. I am turning my back on you. This is specifically well, a, I am turning my back on you, Well, not you, just that, sir. but, you know, in a situation like that, someone who has a, that sort of deep-seated, like, like, feeling about that, you could shout at them until you're blue in the face. It's not going to change their mind, right? Sure. They're just going to feel like their back's against the wall. It's, in, it's inherent in being racist that you are treating another person like they are less than mm-hmm. a person. And so the only way that they could communicate to this person in this setting that they were less than a person was to not give him the attention a person would get. 
we are going to treat you like you are less than an equal to us. We're all at this table together and we will not even acknowledge your existence. Yeah. And that'll get your attention. Yeah. The, uh, I will say um, it felt it's, it's great and it feels good watching that scene uh, until the, it's shattered as a, it's a, it's a fairy tale ending to that, to that sure. execution. Right. But um, it did, it, it did feel good to be like for like that, like that justice to prevail where he realizes what's happening, uh, then goes to sit down, is in crisis, and when the vote goes around, he says not guilty. And it just, the way that that unfolds is so powerful, and it's such a if-only moment. <laughs> you well, know? <laughs> what, what is fascinating about that is like, okay, are, are they going to cure his racism by ignoring him for 30 seconds? No, obviously not. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> But it's a, well, it is a, it is a it, it's a it's a commentary and it is a bigger picture thing of like. But what what is fascinating? Don't feed the trolls. About, sure. What is fascinating in that moment though is when the vote comes around to him, it's forced him to process the fact. Okay, fine. Maybe I'll still be racist. But let me just take a hypothetical moment in my own head to say, well, what, sorry, you know, other courtroom drama, right? To kill a mockingbird. Now imagine she's white. <laughs> right like that yeah. has to be how what <laughs> well i think that's like what has to happen in his moment during that turn right is okay fine you call me a racist maybe i'm racist maybe i'm not maybe fuck yourself but i'll hear you out if this guy was white do the facts say that he's guilty or not and that's why he votes not guilty because yeah. he's gonna walk out of the room he's still probably gonna be racist maybe a little less like overtly and virulently racist but still like, sure. he's not gonna just like i said be cured of racism because of that but in the moment it allows him to see past the bias to look at the facts okay yeah. fine i still hate this guy because he's not white but if he was white is there enough evidence to say that he was the murderer no yeah hey every time that he said uh you know what i'm saying or like you know what i mean or and, and nobody responds if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nobody responds, and I'm just like, good. Like, I'm so glad nobody's like, nobody's just like uncomfortably nodding along, which Stay is really good. Target. Including the other, including the other guy who is so clearly an asshole. Like, is is also kind of not like they're not on the same. They're on the same side of the vote, yet they're not on the same side. <laughs> like, which, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of right. thing. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, the he says something he, he he says something real nasty. I can't remember what it was, but then he goes, "Who's got those cough drops?" And the the real twerpy guy goes, "They're all gone, my friend." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, good for you, bud." That was <laughs> the way that he reveals that. It was I was uh, uh, relays that it was really funny, cracked me up. But uh, oh man, that uh, that that movie it's it's so it's so crazy. The um, I love the. I love how it goes it goes into so much, right? Like it goes it, it not deep. Just a little bit. Just enough to be like to again way too way too close to today for something that came out in 57, right? Things that should have feel like should have been resolved by now but are not. Yes. And I think that there we can't um all right, so a, a couple of things are the notion of like the defendant's lawyer uh, he's like, maybe he didn't want to. Like, maybe he was just like, wanted to be done with the day, just like you want to be out of this room type of thing. Like, he wasn't, you know, it, there's not a lot of money in it. There's not a lot of prey. Like, just, he's he's looking at, like, these other things that are, like, they they themselves are 
facts. Like it could be that he didn't have good representation. Like there's no, he's not saying that it is, it could be. And that is a fact that it could be that he didn't have good representation. So you do have to, I feel like you have to consider that there's like all of the pieces that he, all of these things like that, that he brings up. Um, there's the, the old man breaking down his story of like 15 seconds. Like he heard the shout. He, the, he knew the voice. He got to the door and saw the guy running out. And it's like when the way that he, that uh, juror eight presents the information, it's actually funny because it's clear as day from his way of saying it, that it's like that they could not have possibly known for sure. Well, that ends up being super powerful, right? Where he times him getting up. That walking. was a big one. Yeah. That, that, cause that, that got a couple people to turn, right? Yes. Uh, and then, oh, oh, that was the thing that led up to what is like, what does it matter? The old man could be confused about anything. That's what that led into, which I think yes. turned a few people. Um, I do like there's it's something it's funny. Almost, it's almost like it's almost like the <laughs> it's almost like the reverse version of the the Peter Griffin and the mystery box. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> he could yeah. be confused about anything, even the murder. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a funny notion. Uh, I think it's maybe maybe a third of the or two thirds of the way through the movie where the you realize the guy that's kind of running the show um who's like juror number one. He's like taking the mental of like coordinating. He's, he's, he's the foreman. Right. He, uh, he votes guilty and not guilty by the end and never gives an explanation. He's so caught up in his, resp- in his duties that he's like, he's is going along and he's not realizing that subconsciously he's made a choice based on the information that was presented to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that was really cool too, because there was like that, that was like that, that do nothing. Like the guy, like you're not getting involved yet. You're involved whether you want to be or not, because subconsciously you're, you're making calculations, you're making choices, you're, you do feel a certain way. Yeah. And I think that was a really, that's another powerful thing that is very understated and a really like, and, a, and very well done is, is that character. Cause I feel like that character is actually probably more, likely the one that you would relate to you might feel like you wish you were juror eight you might um god forbid but uh yeah you're yeah you're probably number 10 uh or whoever that one was but like uh, it's it's realistically most realistically fall on that's that part of the spectrum yeah uh, one and two would be my guess jurors one and two like the Ones that feel strongly um, that 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 are that are positive and want to be happy and want to be nice, but like don't know how to take a stand. That was like juror two, right? Mm-hmm. Juror three was cannot see past their own like self-centered world where everything is about them and they're taking everything out on the people around them um, unfairly because it does not involve them. Uh, the guy next to him. It was uh, who was next to him? Oh, that's logical man, which was a really cool character. Which is I, I do I do appreciate that concept of because like there is the I can occasionally I feel I I feel like I align with him occasion like in the sense that like there's times where I've noticed like I can I can be very logical about something and like be like you know I I might feel a certain way I was like I, but I could be like but this is what's like this is what I have to go on like, yeah and I could I could take my own bias out of it sometimes which is 
which makes you feel a little weird, right? Which in itself, it's like maybe by ends up turning you bias in the other direction because you're trying to fight your own innate feelings towards something. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting character. We have the guy that grew up in the slums who uh, that reveal is also very good. Um, And he is the, he's the one that I was like, I don't like he's he voted guilty and it almost seemed like he didn't really know like he didn't give it much thought. He was just going with whatever the majority was. It seemed like that's what it mm-hmm. felt like at first. But then I think that he was ready to turn around and vote not guilty before the third vote. And part of me wonders if he did, because there's a when when the foreman's reading through the votes he stops when he gets to the first not guilty, but there's one or two other pieces of paper. Okay, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And I have a feeling that that character voted not guilty. I mean, that's a good point. I guess um, it's not, not really a, way, a good way to prove that one way or another. But No, no, there, there, there's not. But I, I, it's just something that I noticed that like when, when they read the not guilty, he, this, he, went, he said, uh, what do you say? Oh, 10 to 1. But like that was an assumption. That the other ones also said not guilty that were unfold that were still folded up. I just thought that was an interesting thing to to note yeah, that makes on sense. the table. Um, the guy next to him, we don't get too much into it, but he, uh, you can tell that there's a while he's maybe a little bit too caught up in the uh, the same mindset as the as like the other people that are very adamantly that this man is guilty. He also has a good nature about him. He has a respectful nature about him where he's the one that stands up for the old man. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that was a cool concept. There's the um there's the guy that's waiting to go to the Yankee game who is also he's the he's the self-centered guy in his own way and doesn't even really he he doesn't realize it but he's also not going for anything specific except for what he wants to do right now, which is he wants to go to the baseball game. Yeah, just whatever. I'll get him out of the room as fast as possible. Yep. Then we have juror number 8 who is um, our our lead character, who is just, he can't just stand by. He won't just go with the flow just because. He's like, I'm going to be, like, I have to be true to myself. I really, pre- I loved that. The guy next to him, the old man, who we I just adore. <laughs> then the uh, ignorant slut. And then, the <laughs> and then the, the foreign gentleman and the, uh, the ad agency guy, who he was another one who's like, he was a, he's a little bit of a wild I, I think some of the characters that were interesting are the ones that like you realized throughout the movie that they truly don't know how they feel. Yeah. And he's he's one of them. He flips twice within 10 minutes, I think. Uh which was an interesting thing towards the end of the movie. He goes yeah. guilty not guilty or so he yeah, guilty not guilty, guilty not guilty. <laughs> like he flips back and forth. <laughs> but uh that I just thought it's really interesting because you have all of these characters that are so they're so different. There's similarities in all of them for the, well, in most of them, but there are, there are some characters that are so far on the one end of the spectrum that they, they'll never relate to the other side, which I think is really interesting. Um, It's just a, it's just so, it's a powerful movie, man. It's just so good. I was really blown away by it. Um, I feel like there was, there was one other thing that it was one other point that I was going to go to with that and I completely lost it. But do you have, <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else while I think um, about this? I don't think so. I, I, it, I did find it funny just in general. Like this is a window into like a world of like actors and like movies that like 
I had no experience with it. It was funny, like seeing even like names of people that either I knew or like knew of, like sure. Fond of being like, you know, Peter Fond. Like actually, the 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 resemblance was pretty uncanny, and I had no idea like who he was. As soon as they like like looked up closer, I was like, oh yeah, he definitely does look like Peter Fonda's dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, knew nothing funny. about him. Knew none of his roles um, before that. Um, I just kind of as like a random ass aside. Um, that Ed Begley Jr.'s father, Ed Begley, was in this. Did not know that his father yeah. was an actor. Uh, <laughs> Jack Warden was funny to me because uh, I know him as an old guy, and now seeing him in an old movie as a young guy and not knowing him at all, like not recognizing him at all, I think was yep. kind of funny. That was um, funny. I always think of him from uh, While You Were Sleeping. That's like one of my mom's favorite movies. Okay. Like, the, the godfather of like the guy who falls on the train tracks and that. Mm-hmm. I know. When, I, when, when I was when I was scrolling through and I saw Jack Warden and I saw the picture, I was like, "No, no, that's not Jared Number Seven. Nope, <laughs> nope, 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 that, nope, nope. That's not, nope. <laughs> that that's not Jared Number Seven. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was saying a lot of people. I think I, I know think of him probably from like the replacements, or at least people like our age. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, there was one other. I thought there was one other guy. Maybe maybe it wasn't. I, maybe I didn't recognize. Like those guys, I, I just like the different, the very different experiences with all that. Like, oh yeah, that definitely is like Henry Fonda. Like, oh, that guy is not the guy I know from while you were sleeping when he plays the old guy. <laughs> oh man, uh, I I just pulled up the um, on IMDb the the quotes section, and I'm just gonna try to burn through some of these just to see which ones we've missed. Um, Jerry number nine, who I believe is the old man, uh, gentlemen, that's a very sad thing. Dot 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 to be nothing. This is a. It's just a. There's a. There are deep quotes like that. Um, this was a really funny one. Uh, the so the Jura ten, the one that we just can't stand. Um, he says, "Bright, he's a common in ignorant slob. He don't even speak good English." And then <laughs> Jura eleven with his foreign accent goes, "He doesn't speak good English." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Um, what else we got here? Oh, they they actually have the entire um, they have the entire rant in there, which is actually pretty pretty impressive. Could you imagine? I'm gonna send this guy to prison for the rest of his life and or to the death penalty just because me and my son don't talk. Oh yeah, that was that was ridiculous. There on on that note, uh, Juror Three says that that guy go. He goes, "You're talking about a matter of seconds. Nobody can be that accurate." And Juror Eight. Very calmly goes, well, I think testimony that can put a boy in the electric chair should be that accurate. And I think that's a really, that's a really like impressive line. There's something really funny about this, though, that's really interesting that I do think that we need to touch on. And that is that as much as I, I love where the story goes, I love the, how it unfolds. I love how like, right, like just what in my mind, the righteous side prevails, like they, it the the positivity comes through the uh the understanding the empathy like it's all there it makes me feel very warm and fuzzy inside that it actually goes the way that it goes that being said i would be remiss to not point out that what juror number eight did if it were to be revealed to the judge would have the case thrown out (laughs) like he he's you you're not supposed to go to the crime scene as a juror you're not supposed oh, to oh, part, go yeah, ask questions, buy a knife, bring it in, and throw it on the table. Like, he did things that were very much that would create a mistrial situation, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, that's probably true. 
But, uh, and it's funny because like, I'm very willing to look past that because of it did align with how I feel about it. Yeah. Which is probably its own, you know, its own form of bias that of course you in that room, hundred you know, percent wouldn't be able to be susceptible to, right. Or you like, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be able a hundred percent. But, um, but I also think it is funny because it's like, it, but then it, it raises the question, right? And it's like, it's the same thing about like the doubt. It's like, yeah, he did these things that aren't by the textbook rules allowed. However, he did the things that the, uh, um, the appointed lawyer was supposed to be doing, but didn't. And that was a failure on the system. And it, it is the entire movie unveils failings in character failings on the system failings on the structure and it's just like it's man it is it's very newsroomy it's 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 really yeah. good it makes me but very it, you know, it, to your point though you know it's one of those things where it's like okay fine i get that like i'm supposed to take just the facts but it's like fuck i am paying attention to it in the way that i am supposed to and i can see the glaring hole in what i've been presented it that were th- he'd have a lawyer that knew half of what he was supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. that he would have never let this just stand like that. Right. Right. Oh man. The, uh, I I will, uh, let's close with this, which is the final line of the movie where (laughs) Jerry number nine goes, Hey, what's your name? (laughs) Jerry Davis. My name is McArdle. (laughs) Well, so long, (laughs) so long. <laughs> there was that line. I, it, I thought it was really, it's really sweet, right? Because it's like these, these two guys that like, uh, they're not taking like the credit for it, but they are, they saved a young man's life, whether or not it was right. It seems based on the evidence that it was probably the right thing, but they did that. And they never really took the credit because it, it wasn't about the credit. It was more about their, um, they're just their human responsibility. Like it was, which was, I really thought was interesting. And in that line, what made me chuckle is it was very <laughs> much reminded me of Dumb and Dumber, the big gulp sign. Big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. <laughs> Sorry. When you, when you said it, what I actually thought of was in dodgeball, when he's going to have that, the final uh, thing at the end, he puts the blindfold on and he sees patches of hula hand. And he says, you know, remember your training, Peter. You know, you can do this. I have faith in you. Bye-bye. And he just disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That's it. Did we ever do that movie? No. That movie's a gem. I'm sorry that they don't make a, I'm sorry your coach was killed by two tons of irony greeting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anything else on this one? Uh, No, I don't think so. No, nope, that was a. It was an absolute treat. I'm so glad we did it. And Would you say uh, it was a delight. It was. It was more than a delight. <laughs> uh, it, it's just it's so awesome. I'm so glad we did it. Uh, more more movies like this. More old classics because this is just fantastic. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks and a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks and a Six at thespintune.com. Or tweet us at the Spinchoon. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsey. Thanks for coming out. <laughs>